Hi, it's Shana here. Before this episode starts, I'm popping in with a quick reminder about our upcoming CEU on Thursday, May 16th on a person-centered approach to behavior management. School taught us a lot about ABA. However, the thing with ABA is that it's a science and it's constantly evolving. So a lot of what we learned back then doesn't always apply now. Today, we want to use a person-centered approach to behavior management, um, but what does that look like and how can our learners still make progress in this kind of approach? So join us live on Thursday, May 16th at 12 p.m. Eastern Time as Shira discusses how to use a person-centered approach to behavior management with your learners. This CEU is presented by our very own Shira Karpel. You can earn one learning CEU for ACE, QABA, or IBAO. Join us live at this event or to watch the recording asynchronously, go to howtoaba.com forward slash CEU. See you then. Hi, I'm Shira Karpow. And I'm Shana Gaunt, and we're board certified behavior analysts. At How To ABA, we provide practical resources, community, and support to ABA professionals. In each episode of our podcast, we will be having real conversations with real people sharing real stories about ABA. We'll share relevant strategies and actionable tips that will make us all better ABA practitioners. It's the ABA content you need that you're not going to learn in a textbook. Everyone on today's podcast, we are very excited to be hosting Rose Griffin, who is an SLP and BCBA and the founder of ABA Speech. We've known um, Rose for quite a while now, I'd say a couple years. We uh, we have a couple projects together and it's been such a pleasure to get to know people that we otherwise would not have met through this you know, universe of um, online ABA resources. So we're very happy to have you. Welcome, Rose. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. So if you can start by telling our audience, I mean, I'm sure they've heard of you because, you know, you're you're just all over TikTok and Instagram, and I'm sure they've come across one of your reels. Yes. Uh, but for someone that hasn't, if you could just tell our audience a little bit about you and your journey and, you know, how you got into the field. Absolutely. So I'm a speech language pathologist and I've been doing that for 20 years and I am also a BCBA and I've been duly certified for 10 years and there are less than 500 of us that are duly certified. So it is definitely a small group and just really allows me to help my students in such a very specific way with communication. And ever since, you know, my graduate placement, I have been really wanting to help autistic learners and historically helping students that were hard to reach. And so that kind of led me on this path of working in a non-public program or an ABA center. And that's really where I was like, oh my goodness, you know, this is changing lives. Like I remember an 18-year-old student that my colleague was working with and he had no way to communicate despite years and years and years and years of speech therapy. And seeing him then start to be able to use an AAC device really kind of fueled my passion for the field. And I thought, and it's funny because a long time ago when I learned about it, I thought, oh my gosh, I want to go places and I want to tell people about the science of applied behavior analysis because it is just so amazing for so many people who uh, really struggle with finding their voice. And so that just led me to uh, become duly certified. Then five years ago, I started my own business and we do all kinds of things there. And the main goal is to help students who are autistic start communicating and to increase increase their communication skills. 
So you were an SLP before you became a BCBA, right? Yes. I was an SLP for about 10 years before I became certified. Yeah. Wow. It's it's really like I, you know, I was a, a teacher then BCBA, but an SLP turned BCBA, I think is an even greater superpower. <laughs> um, because the the worlds that it combines is just such an incredible um and such an incredible skill set to be able to work on communication while also having all those behavioral principles um that you're really relying on. So I think that's amazing. So when you started ABA speech, who were you like? who's your audience? And like, what is your goal with that? Absolutely. So my, I started it because I had an idea for a product called the Action Builder Cards, which is 100 flashcards. And they help you plan for generalization of expressive language skills. And once I decided I wanted to make that product, I was like, oh my gosh, now I need a website. And then it was like, now I need a blog. And then I was doing all this guesting on podcasts. And I was like, well, I want to have a podcast. I want to have my own guests and talk about what, you know, who I want to have on. And so it just kind of snowballs, right? And so now we have our own podcast called Autism Outreach. And our main consumers are speech language pathologists followed by board certified behavior analysts. Mm-hmm. So yeah. your goal is kind of to educate other SLPs, giving them the tools that you now have to use those behavioral principles in their speech practice. Absolutely, because that's what it was. I remember when I was working uh, my second year, I had a student who was younger. I was seeing him for outpatient, and he wasn't really excited about <laughs> any of my therapy. And he had autism, and he wasn't speaking. And I remember going to my supervisor, and I remember saying you know, I don't know what to do here. Like I'm overwhelmed. I feel really defeated. I'm not reaching this student. And my supervisor was kind, but she just said, work on joint attention. And yeah, I had learned about that in graduate school, but it just wasn't enough. And back then there were no resources. Now it's almost like there's so much information you have to decide what you're going to consume. But back then there were no podcasts, there were no online courses. And so I just really dug deep into learning about ABA and how to put that together with speech therapy. And that's why I feel so excited to have my platform like I do, because whether it's a TikTok or or something that's more serious, like our ABA forum that we put together, um, I love sharing information that's going to help that speech therapist, that BCBA, and then all the clients that they're going to see over the lifetime of their career. And you know, like, even though you, when you were overwhelmed as somebody who was just starting out, and that's part of the reason Sharon and I started How to ABA as well, is because there are so many ABA professionals out there who do feel overwhelmed. And as we get more put on us, like you said, Rose, there's so much information now. And how do you sift through that? And there's so many more demands, et cetera, et cetera, that um, I think it's really great that you were able to put out a resource and say, hey, listen, start here. I can siphon some of this information out for you. You know, I'm not the only only one when I was younger to feel overwhelmed. I'm sure there's lots of people who do. So thank you for doing that. Um, I've seen your language resource cards. Um, I've used them. They're beautiful. Um, And I know that when we do the ABA forum, we usually put together some free materials and we use some of our data sheets and some of your flashcards. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's really wonderful. So that's amazing. So you're doing some courses now. Yes, yes. So we have two major autism courses. Um, One is called Start Communicating Today, which is for younger students who are not yet speaking. And then we have Help Me Find My Voice, which is for school-age students who are not yet speaking. And both of those are ASHA and ACE courses and really just help you get started in understanding, okay, what type of assessment should we use? How should our intervention look from a communication standpoint? Um, Because it can feel very overwhelming for people when there's so much to address 
and you're just not sure how to have that step-by-step framework. Um, And then what I'm really excited about is after this airs in September, we are going to launch an advanced language learner course, which is for students who are now talking in one to two words. And how do we get our students to the next level where they have more spontaneous communication, where there's a focus on communication in the more natural environment and some of those unstructured areas, um, which I think can just be a little bit harder for people to program for. And so I've already completed all the course. Um, I have two special guest speakers that are going to be coming on BCBAs. One person is going to talk about matrix training. um, And then the other person is going to talk about direct instruction and talk about the language for learning curriculum. And so I'm excited to make those kind of next level, um, even for BCBAs that maybe have never heard of those two um, different uh, types of resources. Wow. I use language for learning all the time. I absolutely love it. I, um, just as an aside, probably about, gosh, like 15 years ago now, I was the director of a clinic and I came across this direct instruction curriculum and I didn't know much about it, but I went to the training and I met someone there who was local and I literally grabbed onto her coattails and said, can you help me and come train my staff? She trained the staff, but then I said, listen, is there any way that I can possibly, I don't know, work for you or volunteer for you a couple hours a week? And I said, she said, you know, as long as you can give me a commitment until, um, until June, so September till June, can you give me that commitment? Um, I did Monday nights and I was there for eight years, Rose. I love the directing. I love the direct instruction so much. Yes. Um, and then I met some fluency-based instructors, and I started combining with fluency-based instruction. And uh, the rest is history. I've done been doing direct instruction, fluency-based stuff. Ooh. You know, and plus, I mean, your your regular ABA. Right. We call it the regular stuff, right? <laughs> discrete trial, verbal behavior, and natural environment teaching. But. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even know that. But you can see when you're using that instruction, how it really helps students and not even just autistic learners, but that's usually what, you know, I talk about online. But um, so many students, you know, I had a student um, who had Down syndrome and he was in middle school and he was going to a different type of school. And then he came to our public school, which was really stellar. And we started using that uh, curriculum for him and his language just blossomed. And it was really amazing to see. Yeah. And I just don't think enough people know about it or maybe they've heard about it, but they're like, what are we doing here? So I'm excited to have those special um, topics within our our new course, because I think that they need some to shed some light on those areas. So for people well, that I'm haven't excited. heard about them. I'm excited to see who those speakers are. <laughs> I can't wait for September. You, you'll have to wait. <laughs> and I know that like when I... Um, when I became a BCBA or even before that, I don't think I went into the field realizing how much I'd be teaching language. Like I thought I, you know, we're learning about shaping and reinforcement and principles of behavior. And then I, you know, got, you know, my first few students and I'm like, wait, I'm actually teaching manting and tacting and verbal operants and, and expressive language. And I don't think that, you know, I didn't feel so prepared. Um, like, isn't this what speech therapists do? Like, (laughs) how does this become what I do as a behaviorist? Um, and I think that it becomes very overwhelming to like have this, you know, be teaching kids language because there's so much to language. Um, what would you say to like, you know, those BCBAs about what, how we can either do better in teaching language or what we need to know, you know, some advice in tackling this topic. 
Great question. And it is, it's not something that we learn a lot about in our BCBA coursework. I just was had a um, BCBAD lady who has her PhD and we were talking and she, I was telling her about this new course and she was like, oh my gosh, I really didn't learn a lot about language milestones yeah. because what I do in this course, which I, and I've been doing a little bit on Instagram teasing it out is talking about language development. So I'm, I'm using, you know, our, our work, you know, what books that we use as speech language pathologists, where we do learn like, oh, well, when do kids, typical language learners, which we know it's going to be different for autistic students, they may have splinter skills, but you know, when do kids start using prepositions? And when do they start using, you know, ING or adding plural S? And, you know, for those kids that are at level two, level three VB map, I mean, I really would urge you to work along with a speech language pathologist. I know not every ABA clinic has one, but even if it's consultative or taking my course just to kind of, you know, whet your appetite on like, this is language development. And what's so cool is that we as BCB VAs have certain assessments that we use and speech therapists have other standardized language assessments too. And when we put that together for that assessment piece, we can get such a really robust snapshot of our students' language. Then we can have such a better plan. So I'm kind of calling this course as kind of like customize your students' communication journey, right? Because, you know, Shana might have a kid who is not able to do a regular past tense and you might have a kid who is struggling with something different, but we can learn about typical language development and and then we can chart this path for our students. Because you're right, I feel like for every student, it's so different and there's no one size fits all that is going to help our students. So, you know, another thing that I talk about in the course are language samples, which we as speech language pathologists learn about and, you know, BCBAs can do it too, like where you're kind of just collecting that information on how is the student um, communicating in the natural environment? Like, what are they saying? And what, how many words are they saying? And what does it sound like? And do have problems with their speech sounds because some students, when they're at this language level, then, you know, they might be able to work on verbal imitation and shaping up some of that articulation and, and things like that. So there's a lot of different considerations for students at this level because they are typically ready uh, to learn, more eager to learn. Yeah. And I think if you don't have the opportunity to work with a speech language pathologist, which, you know, I do, and I'm very grateful for, and we work very collaboratively with them. Um, but don't feel like, you know, as a BCBA, you know, it all, like you're not going to be able to tackle everything having to do with language, um, and reaching out and finding the resources. And I think you are a great resource and there's lots of other people who can help support you and your teaching of language, because we miss a lot of those pieces. Um, and it's unfortunate because we're not trained in that way, but I think that we can, you know, for sure, learn more, you know, go to your site, take your courses um, and help support our practice. Thank you. And that's why I've been, you know, we've been an ACE provider for many years. And that's why I'm really focusing on making sure that my courses are good for speech language pathologists who are more behaviorally oriented, and then also BCBA. So, you know, we're working together and we want to make sure that we're learning together too. So that's kind of the plan. And I think the big key word here is collaboration, right? Oftentimes, especially probably when I was younger and, you know, years ago in the field, you know, we would put boxes around people. So, oh, you're the SLP, you can work, you can work, you're only allowed to work one hour a week with a student, right? right? I get this much time because I'm a behavior analyst and, you know, an occupational therapist gets this much time. But, you know, when do we ever talk to each other? Never, right? And it really isn't about, okay, well, you do your job and I do my job. It really does need to be collaboration. And I find that the best teams that I'm on and the the, the most progress I see is when 
it's a joint effort between not only behavior analyst and, and SLP and parent together, um, but all of the different professions. It really does need to be that collaboration. So I love the fact that your courses aren't just from a, hey, this is an SLP standpoint or, hey, this is a BCBA standpoint, but it's combined and it's like, hey, this is how we can help each other. Absolutely. And, you know, I did a, a very popular course in um, May, and actually part of it is is within this new advanced language learner course, but it was called SLP Services in an ABA Setting. And I had a thousand people register for that course. I was like, oh, wow, this is so exciting, you know? And it was really divided between people that wanted ACE and ASHA credits. And it was very interesting to see that people were really kind of perked up and were excited to learn about that because. I think what happens too is a speech language pathologist might then be on a team with the BCBA and maybe they have no experience with ABA or maybe they have had a bad experience with ABA or have some type of bias um, with what the science is. And then it gets really tricky on how to know how to navigate that setting. And I think that's kind of where I, you know, my specific career choices kind of come into play because I have been the SLP on a team in an ABA center and it's just a very different. Um, um, feeling and culture. And just like, you know, you said, Shana, it's like, I may only have one hour of speech therapy and that's okay. And that's kind of what I talk about in that module is, well, how can we embed communication across the learner's day? Because I don't own speech and language. I want to make sure that it's being generalized by all staff. Um, yeah. So like you were saying, there's a lot of like myths between the professionals working together. We've um, we've spent the last few years, I think, really demystifying a lot of those myths where I work because sometimes an SLP comes in with some preconceived notions and, and a BCBA comes in with preconceived notions. And I think having you offer both of those, you know, have one audience where they're both hearing the same thing, I think is really valuable. Um, a lot of our audience is, you know, newly minted BCBAs or even BCBAs who've been in the field for a long time. And we like to offer them, you know, if you could give them one piece of advice or something that, you know, they can do better at in the field, what would you tell them? I would just say that, you know, have an open mind about collaboration. And I try to practice compassionate collaboration. So even if people don't come from the same uh, school or thought about how to help an autistic child, we may have differences. And it doesn't mean that we all have to have group think because when we're on a team and we're kind of having a professional dialogue, that kind of makes us all better as professionals. So I would just, if you're on a team and there's a speech therapist and you haven't talked to them yet, I think that's like the first action step is just to have set up that ongoing communication with all people on the team. I think that is sounds very simplistic, but if we could all think back to teams we've been on and we're like, oh yeah, I don't think I ever talked to, to that person. You know, we've been all in, in those situations because we're busy, right? Like we're working with the kids, we're in direct service and we're very, very busy and trying to write reports and all the things that we do as providers. So I think just having that ongoing communication and if if somebody suggests something in a meeting, um, immediately not saying, where's your research for that? I think that's something that BCBA oh, really... I hate when I hear that. <laughs> okay. Because Dr. Broadhead write th wrote this whole article about um, how when we say, where's your research for that, that really erodes the professional relationship. So I teach a class on ethics here every um, fall at Kent State. But I talk about that article a lot because it's true. And we all know people that have said, or maybe we've been the person that has said that. And so we we don't want to like 
go in with that. You know, it doesn't mean that we're going to do something that's not evidence-based or maybe we can take data and we'll take data on our, our ABA strategy or whatever it is. And then we can come back to the team and we just have to be more cognizant about doing what's right for our clients, but also making sure that we're trying to have a supportive, collaborative uh, environment for everybody. Yeah, so true. Most of our clients are not, um, don't come without a team, you know, like there's always someone else involved, whether it's a a small team of just a parent or a caregiver or a teacher, or it's a larger team of other therapists. I think we as professionals can always do better and be more collaborative and more open-minded and stop saying, where's the research? I I love that because that's like the worst thing you want to hear. Like nobody needs to say that in a meeting. It makes you really defensive. And then it makes you think like, well, Either you're defensive or you're thinking, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Or then you're thinking like, I hate that person. I mean, that's what I would be thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just not pleasant. And and, right. and professionals can work nicely together. So BCBAs need to do better in that, in that area for sure. Um, where can people find you? Tell us more about how they can access you. Absolutely. So make sure to visit abaspeech.org. I actually have a waitlist for the advanced language learner course that's going to be about students who are at language level two and three from the VB map. And I will share that with you. That course is going to launch in mid-September. So I'm very excited about that. And make sure that you listen to the Autism Outreach Podcast. Every single Tuesday, a new episode comes out and we have on um, BCBAs, SLPs, autistic individuals. And we really try to just hone in on communication and autism. Yeah. And I saw that you just got to, what is it, 50 episodes that you've recorded? Yes. Oh, that was on LinkedIn. Yes. That is actually our newsletter. But we are actually, yesterday I just taped episode 90 and I'm planning, I'm planning, I already know what we're going to do for episode 100. So... I like to batch ahead. I'm very, very nerdy on the batching. So I'm I'm working way ahead. You know what I'm saying? It makes me Meanwhile, nervous. this one's coming out in about two weeks. So we're not as ahead at all. It's just, it's how I operate. I get like sweaty and I'm just very nerdy when it comes to that. So yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, it's been... Um, I mean, so nice to talk to you again. Um, like I said, we, we've we worked together in the past. Check out the ABA forum, which I know is going to be coming yeah. out. So stay tuned for more information on that, which is what we do with, with you and Supervision Academy um, and a bunch of other great collaborators. Um, and so we're going to put all your information in the show notes. And I really encourage whether you're a BCBA, an ABA professional, SLP, um, to check it out because I know that there'll be a lot of valuable information. And thank you for coming on and sharing all that with us. It was great to see both of you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Rose. It was really great to talk to you. Thanks for joining today's conversation. Wherever you get your podcast, please go and subscribe, rate and review so others can find out about us too. For more from How to ABA, including free resources and ABA materials, visit our blog at howtoaba.com and make sure that you're following us on social media for more practical tips and updates.